In this series on the sanctified life, we are again in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, the golden rule. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. That is the basic summation of the way that we should be towards other people, both individually and also as um, a group, a, a human race, one towards another. It's simple enough, it's straightforward enough. You value yourself and you value the way that you are treated by others. Well, don't be a hypocrite. The person that you are relating to, the person that is in front of you, also values themselves and also values how they are treated. Therefore, don't treat them in any other way than you would like yourself to be treated. Of course, it pushes beyond that because, as we said last week, and as we will again point out, Human beings are made in the image of God. Because we're made in the image of God, we are those of intrinsic worth. Therefore, a person who does not uh, receive the salvation that's in Jesus Christ and have that image fully restored in him is the most tragic of beings. A person who will spend eternity in hell because they have not been covered in the righteousness of Christ, even though it's been available for them, is the most sorry of people. And therefore, our valuing of people surely helps those others to see Something of the value that God places on them as human beings. Without this rule, we cannot live a godly life. If you will not treat others as you yourself wish to be treated, how on earth can you please God? God is looking at your heart. If you are evaluating other people as lesser than yourself, as not being worthy of the attention or the value that you place on yourself, you are not like Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're putting yourself first. It's looking after number one. You're following the, the innate sin nature that places yourself in the center of the universe. There's no meekness, there's no humility there, there's no fruit of the Spirit there. It's all you and your corrupt nature. I hope you see how this, digs, this principle digs down into what you are as a person. Are you a saint of God? Then show it by valuing your neighbor, loving your neighbor. 
what we called, or what uh, the writer Robert Kane calls the ends principle, where you treat people as ends in themselves and not means to your ends, is a wonderful guiding principle that is reflected in the golden rule. You see, you cannot treat somebody as you yourself want to be treated unless they are at least as valuable as yourself. And if they're as at least as valuable as yourself, then surely you will not treat them as stepping stones for you to get on or to get what you want. You won't do that because that's not how you want to be treated. Do you see? (coughs) Excuse me. And so the basic principle here is you treat people as ends, not means to an end. As long as that principle can be rightly followed. Because as we saw last week, it can't always be followed. Why? Well, because obviously people don't treat others as they themselves want to be treated. They don't follow the golden rule. And when somebody is not following the golden rule, that they are treating other people as ends, we've got a decision that we've got to make, haven't we? In the way that we relate to that situation. If somebody is not treating another person as they themselves would want to be treating, if they are stealing from them, if they are lying to them, if they are violating them in a physical or an emotional way, then our decision is, well, quite simple. Are we going to have, let them continue in the way that we interact with them, are we going to allow them to continue to use people in order to get on, or are we going to try to support and be a help to the person who is being victimized, the person who is being used? Do you see? This is where this principle goes out into the real world. Because if we allow evil people to do evil things because, oh, it's got nothing to do with us and therefore we're not even going to think about it, then can you see we've already made a decision? We've already made a decision for that person to use somebody else as a means to their end. Let's think of uh, another clear example of this. Because people get confused about this. Last week I talked about uh, rape. If somebody's being raped, then the person who is the rapist, they are, what? Using the other person. Therefore, if a person is violating the, the golden rule by using another person in that way, they themselves cannot be treated 
as an end in themselves. They must be treated (coughs) as a violator of the principle. (coughs) And the person who is being violated, they have a right, do they not? A moral right not to be violated and they surely have a moral right for you to recognise that. It's important that we get this because, like I said, this principle will go into all of the other hot topics that we have to deal with in our day. So imagine this scenario. Imagine a scenario back in the the Second World War, you're in Europe, and the Gestapo comes knocking on the door and they want to know if you are housing any Jews. Well, the Bible says, thou shalt not lie. Oh yeah, actually I do. They're in the back there. What are they going to do? The Gestapo are going to come in and they're going to take those people to a concentration camp. What have you allowed to happen? You had to make a decision... Did you not? What have you allowed them to do? You've allowed some people to use other people as an end. Is that wicked? Of course it's wicked. I mean, you you can't see them marched off like that, men, women and children, by these animals... And think that you have done the right thing. You say, well, I told the truth. You told the truth, but you aided error. You aided untruth. You aided evil, not good. What you did is that in this corrupt world, you took truth and you made it serve evil. This is why the Bible commends Rahab. This is why the Bible commends the Hebrew midwives who would not allow the babies to be killed. So yes, they told an untruth. Why? Because they understood the value (coughs) of those babies that they could not be used as a means to an end. You see, the commandment, you shall not bear false witness, is not made for a situation like that. It's made for a common or garden situation, your everyday life situation, where you have a choice either to tell the truth or tell a lie. Nobody's going to be killed because of it. Nobody's going to be violated because of it. It's your choice. It's a general rule. And in those situations where nobody is going to be violated, where evil is not involved, it is a universal principle. Do you understand that? 
but in a in a sense or in a way where it's going to violate the golden rule well you make a decision do I allow the Jews who I'm uh, who I'm housing who I'm hiding from these evil people do I allow them their right to be treated as the images of God not to be used or do I allow the Gestapo to go in and use them? This principle can be taken, do you see, and it can be used in decisions about things in the world. Is this right? Is this law? Is this way of thinking guilty of using people as means to an end? If it is, you cannot agree with it. You might not be able to do it. You may be powerless to do anything about it. But you can't agree with it. Because it violates the golden rule. Whatever you would want men to do to you, do also to them. And remember, Jesus says, this is the law and the prophets, just not a little bit of it. This is the whole of it. Love your neighbor as yourself. <coughs> Excuse me. We're the image of God. This is the, po- the second point here. And we're supposed to do something that reflects that great honour, that great privilege, that status that we have. We're supposed to do what we're made to do. We're right up there as, as uh, number one is to treat other people the way we want to be treated ourselves. Surely. If you would turn with me to the book of Romans, you will see this principle We'll see it again in, uh, in Matthew 7, but I want to go to Romans 13 uh, first. Romans, sorry, chapter 13. Did I say Romans 12? 13, okay. Look at verse 8. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. That's what you owe them. You owe them that. Now remember to love is not necessarily feeling a gushy feeling towards them. It's being committed to them as a valuable person. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You won't commit adultery with somebody because that harms someone else, the third, the Second party, who has a right 
by marriage to that person. You don't. You won't murder, obviously, because you don't have a right to take that life. Remember, it's talking about murder here. It's not talking about a state-condoned execution, perhaps for murder. That's a different thing altogether. And we can debate the rights and wrongs of that at another time. But it's certainly, this commandment is not about that. You shall not steal. Because if you're stealing, you're taking something that is not yours, which belongs to somebody else. And if you're valuing them and respecting them and you wouldn't want it done to you, you won't take it. You shan't bear false witness, we've dealt with that, because you don't want to be lied to yourself. And you shan't covet. That's the, that's the toughest commandment there, right at the end of the Ten Commandments. Coveting, that's an internal thing, isn't it? But you see, if you truly value the person, you don't just say you do, but you really do, you won't covet what they have, because you'll be focused on them, not their stuff. And so you see, you love your neighbour as yourself, you're committed to them for their good. Verse 10 says, love does no harm to a neighbour. Therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. A Nazi banging on doors trying to find Jews to take to a concentration camp is hardly fulfilling the law. Therefore, you cannot aid them. You cannot <coughs> agree with them. Look at chapter 14 of Romans, verse 10. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? And you are showing contempt for them if you want, don't want to treat them in the same way that you would want to be treated. You are showing contempt to them. Why do you do that? We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You may have in your translation, judgment seat of God. You know what? There's no difference. Well, if you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I suggest that you treat other people the way you want to be treated. Because the one who told you to do that is the one who's going to judge you. So the decisions that we make about valuing people, valuing life, valuing rights, and holding a position and a point of view that accords with those values... These things you'll answer for, do you understand? If you, if you uh, agree with a, a rule or a, an idea where the government can come in and just steal land or steal property or take somebody's goods and distribute them willy-nilly to, to other people without your permission... You, can you see that what you're agreeing to is 
to use people as means to an end. We can't do that. It doesn't matter what society says about it. You can't do that. The Bible, of course, all the way through it, speaks about the right to private property. Now, you might live in uh, a, a land where you don't have an opportunity to exercise that right. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Your Christian principles must be different. This is what separates you, your mind, your thinking. It also is what frees you to be different than the crowd. Chapter 14, verse 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet, and here's the point, if your brother is grieved because of your food, that's just an example, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. If you value them, if you love them, then stop feeding your face with stuff that they may be offended with because of their conscience, maybe, while you're with them. Why? Why? Because that's how you would want to be treated. That's why, if you were offended by something, you wouldn't want people to continue. Chapter 15, verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good, leading to edification. That's what love does. And this is all, this all is part and parcel of the golden rule. And therefore, is part and parcel of the sanctified life. You cannot be sanctified and ignore this. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's not about what you fill your face with or, you know, what you, um, what you do to sustain your life as far as eating and drinking and so on is concerned. There's more important things than that. There are more transcendent things than that. Righteousness is a bigger value than food. Peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and there's only joy in the Holy Spirit when you're actually obeying the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you're not obeying the Holy Spirit if you're not loving your neighbour. Again, as I've said, don't forget this, there are um, instances that we come across where somebody else is violating that principle and therefore we've got, to print, we've got to not take their point of view, we've got to take the point of view that, uh, of the person that they are using, however that may be. That's in our attitude, that's in our opinion. Sometimes if we can do something about it, it's also in our actions.
So the Lord says, whatever you want to be done to you, do also to others. It's the ends principle, treating people as ends in themselves, valuable in themselves, and not as a means to an end. In situations where that can't be done, you do not take the part of the abuser. Take the part, we've got to be careful with these words nowadays, but take the part of the person who is taking advantage of somebody else. You can't agree with that. You can't join in with them. You can't agree to that way of doing things. We are the image of God and therefore, if we're to please God, we are to do what we're made to do. And this throws us back on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you would turn back to Matthew 7. After he has spoken about the, the golden rule, he then talks about, about in verse 13 and verse 14, the crowd, the way that most people are going. Yes, most people are going their way. They're going the way of error. They're going the way to destruction. It's the broad way. They're comfortable on that way because they're surrounded by people that agree with them or at least people who are um, not believing in the words of God. But their way is a path to destruction. That means if you keep this golden rule, you have to be, by definition, on the narrow way. Headed for the straight gate, because the crowd isn't. Secondly, he says, verse 15 and following, beware of false prophets, beware of uh, these false teachers who are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're ravenous wolves. What are they like then? People who take advantage of other people. Jesus says, beware of these people in your churches. <coughs> You'll know them by their fruit. And as we covered this in the Sunday school. But what is their fruit? A huge ministry? Is that their fruit? No, their lives. Their lives. Are they edifying you? Are they leading you to repentance? Are they bringing you to the word of God? Is it about Jesus or is it about them? <coughs> what is their fruit? What is their life like? I'm not talking about the way they present themselves because they present themselves like innocent sheep. I'm talking about their lives. That's their fruit. If you don't know their lives, well maybe you should. And if they're protecting their lives, as so many of these do, there's a reason they're protecting. There's a reason that you're not seeing behind the veil. 
Not everyone, he says in verse 21, who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he does the will of my Father in heaven. What is the will of my Father in heaven? Do these great works, these wonderful miracles, drive out demons? No, because in the very next verse he says, these people do that. And God doesn't even know about it. He doesn't know them. He doesn't have anything to do with them. It's not about that. It's about their own piety. Finally, therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. We begin with Christ. And Christ says, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For well, this is the whole of the law and the prophets. That big book that you never read. Called the Old Testament. This is the whole of it. Well, he summed it up there, you see. If you don't get this one right, if I don't get this one right, we might as well tear the Old Testament out of our Bibles. I mean, you understand, he's talking about the moral principles. This is the basis, the bedrock of moving forward and having a Christian worldview and a Christian outlook about the problems and the moral issues of our time. You don't get this right, you can't move forward. If you're not got a sanctified mind that values other people and treats them like you want to be treated, or if you find yourself that you're not treating other people as you want to be treated, that you repent and you make sure that you do. If you're not willing to do that, you don't have that mindset how are you ever going to understand the Christian view of racism, the Christian view of marriage, the Christian view of abortion or euthanasia? You're not in a position to move forward. And so many of God's people are not. They get their ideas, they get their values from the world. Oh, it's not harming me. If it's not harming me, then, you know. That's not God. That's not Jesus. That's not the Bible. Whatever you will have men do to you, do also to them. Shall we pray? So, Heavenly Father, I pray that we would grasp this truth, this valuation of other people, this right valuation of ourselves, which is not that we're the most important thing on two legs, but we're just a creature. And if we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, Lord, we, everything that we are is owing to you.
and everything that's good is because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. So help us to have this mind. Help us to have this understanding. We're going to fail. We're going to forget it. But bring it to our minds. Help it to be a governing principle. And help it to be the core of our biblical mindset for the world and all of its ethical issues that we have to have an opinion about one way or another. In Jesus' name.